bitch lost. Sports news that time. You know Chris said, who got you taking all the shots? Tell me like who got traded, who did not, and what's the latest? Well, let's debate. Just trust the process, you know we got this in-depth analysis. Who's the bad? Yes, right here, behind the line. No foul, there's no crime. Like and one, go for two, three, pulling and drop to the hoop. We cover it all inside the park. The newest stud up from the bar. It's deeper stalks. DTB, you're tuned into the best you'll see. Welcome back to the Deepish Thoughts podcast, episode number 19. I'm Chris Horwoodell, joined by Anshu Khanna, and we apologize for not being here for you last week. Completely my fault, none of Anshu's. In fact, he was pretty angry about it. Very angry. I'm still angry, in fact. I'm I'm not calling you in from uh, my my uh therapist uh-huh. very upset i'm i'm trying to get over the anguish that i've been suffering through over the last low of these two weeks and yep. so hopefully uh this will be serve as the uh the therapy i need yeah i'd like to think that the podcast is kind of a cathartic experience for everyone <laughs> yeah it's like uh one of those pin cushion dolls Absolutely. yeah uh, so we have had a couple of pretty big things happening in, in the sporting world. I woke up this morning. I'll tell you what. I've mentioned this in the past, but I really think that I, I don't want to you know, f- give uh, free advertising to anyone, but I subscribe to a couple of uh, you know, sports uh, you know, push, notifi- wow. push notification services. Oh, okay, okay. And, okay. Um, and I, got, uh, I think these services need to be a little more judicious about what they consider – important enough to send me as a notification because uh, I, woke, I woke up this morning with the the largest number of notifications that I've ever had and uh, granted we did have a couple of very interesting things happen and let's talk about the first one of them right now these North Carolina Tar Heels on Chicana your 2017 national college basketball champions I guess it was just kind of thing where they couldn't lose to a small Catholic school for two years in a row <laughs> yeah um, you know, it, it just felt like a battle of attrition kind of. And yes. I do think that, um, I do think that last year's battle really served them well in this game and especially late in the game after there were a couple, actually there were many, many stoppages in play where it seemed like they had the opportunity to sort of regather themselves. And, yeah. um, you know, they had basically their full cast out there late in the game and, and like I said, battle of attrition. So, uh, yeah, congrats to the Tar Heels. Probably a, a very deserving champion. I don't think that if you roll the ball out there and have all these teams play best of seven series that they would have won again. But they did the best with the draw they were presented with. They mm-hmm. beat, some, beat some pretty good teams. They beat Kentucky, beat Gonzaga, that's solid. Um, beat Oregon, who proved their worth against Kansas. And um, deserving champions. But I don't think the best team in the country no, I think if we do this all over again, I'm I'm very very surprised that the Kansas Jayhawks are not national champions right now. I mean, Oregon handled them that game. I know it. I, I, I know it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm that, still shocked by that, especially after the Purdue game and that game being in Kansas City. Yeah. Well, I wonder if that actually hurt them at the end of the day. To be honest with you. Hmm. What's having, that? Having that home court advantage, feeling a little bit more comfortable. And maybe, you know, maybe thinking that this is a game we're going to win a little bit easier than we should. That team, just Frank Mason and Devontae Graham in your backcourt, that, that should get you a national championship, especially when you consider a guy like a potential number one pick, well, probably potential number two pick, Josh Jackson, 
uh, playing a, a mm-hmm. small forward. And he, they were just terrible. Uh, the hallmark of this Kansas team, I think, when you look at the gravestone on the 27-16-17 Jayhawks, mm. has to be that, you know, here lies a team that played with fire too often. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, they, they were constantly having to come back late in games and, uh, you know, they, they played with fire. They were constantly, uh, you know, letting t- inferior teams hang around too much, too often, counting on Frank Mason to hit big shots and Devontae Graham to hit big shots. And, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, they also didn't have the depth that they needed to make the big run. But that being said, I think that, you know, you're right. If you roll the ball out there again, I think that you re-rack this tournament and Kansas is right there. The team that I was most impressed with, yeah. I think, has to, has to be Kentucky. Like, as sure. far as the growth that they showed, I think at the end of the day, um, they really felt to me like they proved once again in typical Calipari fashion that, you know, they had grown over the course of the year. They were primed for this tournament. If not for an absolutely enormous shot by Luke May, maybe the shot of the tournament yeah. with a few exceptions, um, you know, they're your national champions, I think. So, uh, that that team, to me, if you re-rack, it would be right there in that national title hunt. Um, but we, we'll never know. They, I, I, I think that North Carolina still was very much in that conversation. I'm glad we got a team like North Carolina and Gonzaga, a game with those two in it, despite the lack of quality play. I'm glad that those were the two teams in it because they both certainly deserve to be there. I just don't necessarily think we got the two best teams in the title game. Especially after watching it. Can I tell you, I've read a bunch of articles today about the favorites for next year's championship, and everybody seems to be uh, going with Kentucky as your odds-on favorite. I'm not sure that I agree with that, to be honest with you. People really like Mm. this recruiting class that they're bringing in. Let's just, you know, we'll assume that, we'll assume that uh, Jaron Fox and Malik Monk, who have already declared, are obviously going pro. Bam Adebayo is going to go pro. Uh, I'm, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean. Wenyan Gabriel's kind of a, a flip. I would say he probably stays. Uh, Killia Jones stays or transfers because there are a lot of big guys coming in in this next class. The issue I have is that I don't see a lot of balance in this next class. I really – it hurts me to say this as a, a guy who is uh, basically a, a homegrown kid from you know where I am from and just outside of Philadelphia, but – I'm not a big Quade Green fan. I don't think he's. I think he's very, very overrated in terms of a prospect. I don't like. I. I, I mean, Diallo is interesting. They brought Hamadou Diallo in midseason as a shooting guard, but they're basically their whole recruiting class was big guys. Nick Richards is a big center. P.J. Washington and uh, what and Vanderbilt are power forwards. They already have Gabriel. They already have Killia Jones. They already have Ty Winyard. They already have Isaac Humphreys. This is it just doesn't seem like a balanced team. It seems like a team's gonna a lot of people are gonna have to transfer to make things fit. I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know that yeah. I like this team as much as everybody else does. It doesn't seem like they're gonna land any of those undecided guards from the All America game. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah, I I you know, I it's hard for me to say to dismiss Kentucky out of hand just because it's Kentucky. And you know that the recruiting caliber is still strong. Mm. Um, the quality of prospects strong. Calipari has proven his worth yet again this year, I thought, despite not winning the title. Um, but this team is definitely better than the one that's going to come into Lexington next year. And so because of that, I, I 
I can't imagine picking them as a preseason number one. I think Louisville, depending on who comes back, has got to be up there. Duke mm-hmm. is still going to bring back several of their players. I know Tatum's gone, Giles has gone. You're probably losing uh, Kennard, and we'll see about Grayson Allen. He's got to leave Jackson, at this point, right? He's got to leave. I don't know. I mean, I, they bring back maybe, probably, because it looks like Wendell Carter is likely to. Uh, commit there, right? I'm well, Wendell, sure Wendell Carter has committed there. Gary Trent Jr. is committed there. They're, Trent, they're, okay. They're still in the mix for Mo Bamba, um, who ironically could, could also go to Kentucky, which would make absolutely no sense at all. Although from a personal <laughs> level, maybe it makes sense. Is you know, he is a very, very he would be the top center prospect that they brought in. Yeah. I I I think that with Frank Jackson still there, and then if you add. I, I mean, I could see Grayson Allen coming back, honestly, and they still have – they're one of those – so Duke is clearly kind of kentucky but they haven't gone full Kentucky with, like, the complete overhauls every single year of yeah. one and dones. Um, and so I think that because of that, because of that experience, they automatically get the upper hand to me going into the next year mm-hmm. almost every year. Um, like I said, Louisville is still really good. Wichita State is going to be really good, they man. Will. Like, they, they bring will. back – everybody from last year i think this is their best chance greg marshall's best chance to win one um and we'll, we'll see i mean xavier brings back a lot of good talent come on um, come on come on, Mich- come on son what i think we're we're ignoring the obvious elephant in the room here my oh, Vill- my villanova wildcats bring back yeah. almost everyone and we add amari yeah. spellman and we add jermaine samuels as long as well, you lose it sucks your best lose player josh. But... It sucks, it, yes we lose josh but we also lose a negative that is Chris Jenkins. So that balances out losing Josh a little bit. Fair enough. I, you're right. I, I was remiss to, to ignore them. I th- but, you know, I, those are all good teams. I, I think I would put probably all of them ahead of Kentucky without knowing exactly who's coming into Kentucky next year. Well, and what you're talking about, though, it, you know, it's tough to distinguish between – the team that is going to be the most talented team in the country and sit at number one for a large part part of the season and the team that's going to win in the championship. Right, uh, Because right. those that's tend to point. be teams that are filled with guys who weren't quite good enough to go pro early. Yes, agreed. I mean, we saw it this year. These and, two teams are and a perfect last year. example. And really all, all four teams, yeah, and, and this year. Yeah, oh. But, um, yeah, I... I um, I, I mean, I think it'll be interesting. I, I don't think that this particular incoming class is as interesting as the last one because Agreed. of the depth. But um, and I, I think that the returning talent is a little bit worse across the board. But I still think you know it's it's still going to be interesting. You'll find your own guys. I think Porter Porter's kind of following in the footsteps of the top recruit from the last two years in Fultz and um, and Simmons and going to a school likely that has very little chance of being a major competitor for the title. Let's not kid ourselves about Michael Porter Jr. He's going to the school that gave his dad the best job. Right, right, true. So in that way, it's different than Simmons and uh, and Fultz. But, you know, I I think that, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. I'm very interested to see how this class grows over the next few months because uh, generally, you know, the the hype grows as you get closer to the season and you start mm-hmm. getting a better feel for some of these big recruits. So and we'll and we'll see how uh, which of these players come back from you know declaring from the draft and not signing an agent. That that'll be that's always an interesting process as well, which we'll know in the next two months. Yeah, worth pointing out. You know, Duke while they have already brought in Carter and Gary Trent, 
still in the mix for basically all of the unsigned top 10 guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Trevon Duvall, who I think is probably going to be an Arizona guy if you put a gun to my head. Uh, Mo, ba- Mo Bamba, Brandon McCoy, and um, and Kevin Knox. And Knox has been reported to I be really a like Knox. Do you? Because I'm not sure how I feel. Did you? What did you think of this McDonald's All-American game? I know you talked about it with Josh, but uh, talk about yeah. it with me for a while. Yeah, so, well, I, I like Knox. I really like Wilkies. I think those two I kids are much are are you know we're coming off a tournament in which justin jackson probably should have been the most outstanding player in my opinion and uh despite his final game i think that those two guys resemble him a little bit as far as that big two slash three that can help dominate again i know jackson took a long a longer time to develop into the player that he ultimately has become but i i those two guys resemble him to me i love i think that not and wilkie's both if they can consistently knock down the three are going to be very very interesting uh prospects right away in one and done types but um i i don't know it it really does depend for Knox on if he's if he does go to duke if he's blocked by carter and trent right yeah. so um, well well that's a three so theoretically they could all play together but but then it's a matter of who who's still there who's you know because duke is not a team that it wants to start four freshmen right Right, exactly, to the point we were just discussing. So, um, yeah, uh, I like those two kids a lot. I, I love the point guard whose name escapes me that's going to UCLA, likely. Jalen um, Hands. Jalen Hands. That kid is yeah. nails, man. He's going to be good. Um, I really like the – I'm sorry, I'm, all these names are kind that's of right. flipping in my mind. But, uh, Jaron Jackson, I believe, the one that's going to Michigan State. Love he looks one of my favorite players in this class. Oh, he looks awesome. I really am excited about him. Porter's got that smoothness. I think he, if he went in this draft, he'd probably be number one. Um, Do you like and, I think he's probably three in this draft. I think I think he's raw at this point, and that's what's going to hurt him. Really? You think that his – I think his offensive game is better than anybody in this draft. I think it's behind um, Fultz. I think Fultz okay, has such a smooth offensive game. Porter's upside unquestionably higher than Fultz's because you know you are talking, sure. you're talking about a six ten natural three. But yeah. but man, I think I think Fultz is going to come in. I think he's a, a guy who averages twenty for his career. He's going to score the heck out of the basketball. I have I you know I honestly I have to plead a little bit of ignorance on Fultz just because I've seen the other guys so much more. Mm. And I, I mean I've seen Fultz. I've been. I don't want to say unimpressed, but I was so blown away by Lonzo Ball and De'Aaron Fox, especially down the stretch, that yeah. I, I uh, it's tough for me to pick Fultz over either of those two guys right this second. But I, you know, I, I get I get why people like him. I've seen you know the star power is clearly there, the scoring power, the scoring chops are mm-hmm. there. I'm just not sure that I would want to hand the reins of my point guard system over to him right now. I just that system, that whole thing was just weird, and you've talked about it before on the show. But that the Washington system, the whole everybody, the, the way that the chemistry on that team yeah. was was just disjointed. Same thing with Dennis Smith as well. So, you know, that's that makes it tough for me to like either of those two guys over um, some of the more ter- the tournament tested types. Well, I watched Fultz play probably his worst college game in person, and uh, I wasn't dissuaded yeah. at all. I will say I'm a little bit I'm a little bit interested to see how he measures because, you know, I. We were in the we we're in the tunnel, well not the tunnel, but we we're a tunnel adjacent as the the players were in the tunnel about to go into the game, and mm-hmm. I I saw all of the Washington team sort of getting ready and sort of getting loose, 
I'm not sure Markel Fultz is 6'4". Really? You think he's less? I think he might be a little bit less. He's also, and I'm glad, I, you know, I talked to my girlfriend about this when we were at the game, because I've always thought, like, there was something weird about how he looks when he's playing basketball, and I think it's his, bo- <laughs> I think it's his body yeah. composition. I think he's got... What do you mean? I think he's got a very... He's a little long... chunkier? No, no, no. Well, I mean, this is going to play into that. I think that, I think he's more leg than upper body. I I think he's got a kind of a relatively okay. small torso and uh, long legs, and it makes it's him so it, bizarre. It yeah. makes him look a little bit stocky. But I want you to pay attention next time you watch Markel Fultz play. And I am, you know, I'm a giant Markel Fultz fan. This is not a knock by any stretch, but he there's just something weird about how he looks when he plays. Like he 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 looks a little bit chunky. Because I do think it's, it's like that Khalid El Amin style a little bit, or not? Yeah, not but Khalid El Amin was was actually chunky. Fultz is not. Fultz is you know that's a guy who is in good shape, but it's, I just think I just, I'm I, telling you, I think it's I think it's a little bit long longer legs, smaller torso. Well, that just, that just plays watch. into what I was what I was going to ask. If there's because when I watch him, I think part of my issue with Fultz is that I don't really see a comp for him i mean i didn't really see a comp for simmons either but i wonder is there a guy that you can comp him to james harden wow yeah i think he's That's james interesting. I, I think he's james harden obviously so righty james harden yeah well and the lefty thing does help harden because he's he's so tricky but yeah i think he's james right harden. right i don't wow, you're right I, I don't see a comp, is... i don't see a comp for simmons but I've always yeah, thought James but Harden. But that's what makes him great, I think, because you can't teach that size and that smoothness. Like, if anybody, it's sort of Odomish, but, man, I there's a, there's a big difference there because he's not – I mean, Fultz is not 6'8", 6'9". As opposed to who? Simmons. Oh, oh, oh yeah, I thought, we were, I thought you were talking about Harden being 6'8", 6'9". No, 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 Simmons, no, no. Simmons was legit 6'10 when he was drafted, and uh, I was listening to the um, – I'm going to forget who it was, but because I, I was watching NBA League Pass the other day, watching the Sixers game, which is a nightmare at this point. And um, one, of, <laughs> one of the away announcers was talking about, he was talking to Ben Simmons before the game, and Simmons says he's grown since the season started. Yeah, that happens. I remember Sam Decker grew at that same age. Well, yeah, Embiid's 7 2 now, so that, that obviously happened too while he was sitting out. But, but sure, uh, yeah. yeah, but I mean. That would suggest Simmons might be 6'11 at this point, which there's that – basically Giannis Antetokounmpo. Wow. Minus the, the super a, legs, the super long arms I was like Giannis say, is. He's got to get on the court too, but – That's certainly true. That – you know, absolutely. It's A lot of this is hyperbole <laughs> at this point. But, yeah, I mean – and you talked about not wanting Fultz to be your primary point guard, and I can certainly understand that, and that's why he is my dream in Philadelphia. Because Ben is going to have the basketball. No question. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see what those two are like together. Well, yeah, me too. Especially since yeah, a lot of stuff has to happen. Uh, I'm interested in your take because your your Bulls are sitting there in the middle of the first round. Who is uh, what are you like 14 at this point? Yeah, 14 exactly. As of a couple of days ago. Um, What's the dream right now? I, I mean, I guess the dream right now is Sacramento keeps winning and somehow slides into that 11 spot, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't that count dream on that. to me is dying on the vine. Um, they they yeah. really screw me over by winning a little bit more than they should. That team should not win a basketball game. 
and they won two yeah, one-point games this past week. Giant. They went the Nets, though. Ugh. Well, I'm fine with the Nets winning at this point because I don't think that they can, anybody can catch them unless No, they... just as far as teams that shouldn't win that are oh, yeah. winning down the stretch. Like, where the hell did this come from? Oh, yeah, and that makes me feel good because maybe they're going to win a little bit more than we thought and Boston isn't going to have another shot at the number one pick just because of that stupid Kevin Garnett. Um, oh, uh, what's his name? Paul Pierce trade a couple of years ago. Yep. But, um, a giant game for giant game for the Sixers on Friday as the Lakers and the Kings play. Really, really, really. I'm never have I been a Lakers fan as big as I will be on Friday. Uh, oh yeah. Laker, what, what are the implications? So Lakers win would pretty much lock them into that number three spot, uh, which gives the the pick. Uh, it gives it. I think they have a 47% chance of keeping their pick at that point, as opposed to like a 62% Ooh. chance if they're in the number two spot. And it also it also makes you know pushes the the Kings down and gives them them a better shot at moving up into the top three and the Sixers obviously can swap picks with the Kings. So we really really want a Lakers win on Friday. But as I was saying, <laughs> you guys are in that 14 spot right now. Who uh, who do you yeah. have your eye on for for the Bulls? I I have long loved Justin Jackson. Really? I'm not sure he'll be there. I think he would be. Oh man, I, I love the kid. I know he's not 18, but uh-huh. and he and his room for growth is probably more limited than some of the other players. But I really like him. I know that they just got Denzel Valentine, who's kind of like a poor man's version of him. Uh-huh. But I I I would love to see Denzel, or I'm sorry, Justin Jackson <laughs> on the Bulls. Jesus, I, I would <laughs> I'd love to see Denzel off the Bulls. Can I ask you but, what um, is it you like so much about Justin Jackson? Because this is a guy who I have just not liked at all during his career. Really? What do you? I mean, what do you not like he's about a, him? I think he's, a, year, he's got a rep as a shooter, and he doesn't shoot good. Well, he didn't shoot well for sure this week, he's, but or he last night, at, but. he peaked at thirty-seven percent, which is you know it's fine, it's slightly above average, but it's not what I get from a guy who his reputation is being a sharpshooter. Shot twenty-nine yeah. percent three last year. I, I mean, I, I guess my concern isn't really the production in college as much as he's got. I think his his form is down, his size is per is better than mm-hmm. you could hope for really for a three. Um, and I loved, loved the intensity that he showed, especially on defense and on the boards this year. I thought that he, he took over a little bit. He was much more of an alpha and I could totally see him being that player at the NBA level. So uh, I love him. I think that he would be a great fit for a Bulls team that's likely to trade Jimmy Butler, I think this year. So this off season. So um, I think he would be a natural fit to slide in at the three for them. Um, I, I like Laurie Markinen. I don't know that he'll be there at 14. Yeah. Uh, that's right around where he's pegged. He's more of a little bit more of a project, but he certainly grew over the course of the year, as we've talked about. Um, love him. I mean, what? Who do you think is going to be around in that range All that right. you would expect? Because Bridges will be gone. Yeah, I'm going to say gonna you got gone. a shot. You have an off shot at Bridges. I think Markinen's gone. Um, Bridges would be awesome. Brid- yeah, awesome. I'm, he would I'm be the number one. Big Miles Bridges guy. Uh, I think you're looking at. With the kid from Germany, Hartenstein, Isaiah Hartenstein, who just had, mm-hmm. he just measured in fantastic at the um, the Nike Hoop Summit. I think he was uh, seven, seven one, almost seven two in shoes, and supposedly okay. testing really well, shooting the ball really really well. Uh, I think you've got you're in that Avon Rab area. I think the the Collins kid, yeah. the Collins kid from Wake Forest, potentially Zach Collins. Uh, although I think he's probably in that top twelve. I think he's going to leave Gonzaga. 
Um, yeah, you can keep those guys. I like Zach Collins, but uh, the the He's center okay. the center from Texas, Jared Allen's in that group. Uh, there's always Harry Giles. Um, I was gonna say Giles, Justin but Patton. I, I think that's a little little high for Giles. I like Patton, but um, I, I mean the thing that concerns you is this, the one season sample a little bit. Mm. Although that's the case with a lot of these guys. So. Yeah. Um, not exactly quarterbacks in the NFL. So, yeah, I mean, I, um, you know, I, I think of all those guys. Kennard, you want Kennard? I love Kennard too. I think that, I, and it goes kind of the left-handed thing with the hard. I would love to see him. I think that he's. But here's the thing, right? Like, who has the best chance to be? Like, like it depends what you're looking for. At 14, yeah. are you resigned to your fate that you're getting? A rotational player, or are you shooting for the moon? I think and, in, in a draft this deep, I think you take a shot. Yeah, well then, I think Giles has to be. I mean, if Bridges is there, Bridges has got to be it. Um, I think Markinen could be that guy as well. You thought, you brought up uh, Isaiah from Germany. I'm not sure. Hardenstein, thank you. Um, and then you know, I still think Justin Jackson can kind of be that player uh-huh. to me. I, but I'm 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 not sure. The other guys, the bigger guys, like I don't think. Collins is ever either of the Collinses are ever more than rotational types. Really, I and like, I I like previous, Zach Collins for the record. I like him a lot. You think that he's like an all-star type talent, though? I, I mean, you're asking a lot to get an all-star type talent at 14. Is he a guy I think can be a starting center in the NBA for a while? Absolutely. Well, that's what I'm saying. So uh, that's what I was asking in the first place. Do you shoot for that the, in a deep draft? Do you shoot for the guy that has all-star potential? But you know, the risk reward is. Yeah. You know, he potentially he's a he's nothing, or do you want the guy that's a rotational type? And I think that in the past the Bulls have made the mistake of taking rotational guys sure. like Denzel Valentine and, and you know even dating back to Todd Gibson. I think they've all sort of been that guy, and a lot of times they they pan out because they're fine. They got lucky with Jimmy Butler because he was mm-hmm. exactly that kind of guy, and he just they had no way of knowing he was going to bust his ass the way he was and turn into the player that he's become. But you know, I think that in almost every year they've taken the low risk or high floor guy. Um, and I think that, uh, I think that in this draft, they have a chance, even if it's at 14, 15, 16 to get, you know, a bit of a higher ceiling type. And I, I think there are guys like that, like the ones that you just mentioned who will be there. Yeah. And there's other interesting names there too. Donovan Mitchell from Louisville is a guy who I think is, uh, but he is certainly a rotational guy. I don't think he's ever going to be a star. His upside is probably Avery, Avery Bradley. Um, the, yeah, ki- the kid Ferguson, who committed to Arizona, played in China this year. Uh, you're talking about a big 6'7", 190-pound athlete who shoots really well from outside, but is he kind of Terrence Rossi? Uh, your guy, mm-hmm. I know you like Edmund Sumner quite a bit. I think it's probably a little bit uh, high for Sumner. but Mistake. He should not have come out this uh, year. Agreed, I love him, but, but you know. Achilles, eh, don't like that. I like uh, um, if you you want a kind of Jimmy Butler comp, a kind of a poor man's Jimmy Butler's uh, Sammy Ojale from SMU. Ooh, that's a that is that's an interesting name for sure. I like that. Uh, yeah, I, I like you know. So, anyways, I brought that up because of Kennard because I'm yeah. interested to hear what you think of Kennard. I, I think that he has the chance to be a pretty high volume scorer, but he's I can I'm concerned about. His ability or his softness on defense. Yeah, is he ever going to guard anybody? I, I think, I think we've learned in the modern NBA that you can get away with one guy who can't play defense. You can't get away with two guys who can't play defense. Now, if is Kennard mm-hmm. that one guy for your team? Who do you who do you have penciled in as starters for the Bulls next year? 
Oh, God. Well, I mean, so much of it depends on the Jimmy Butler trade. So. All right, let me run it. Let me run something by you. Let's say. Oh, I love this. Hypothetical. Well, look, it's not even going to be hypotheticals because we know for a fact the 76ers made an offer for Jimmy Butler, and we know what that offer is. So, uh, I mean, we know what we know in broad strokes what that offer is because we don't really know what the draft picks were. We know it was Robert Covington, uh, the Bulls' pick of Noel Okafor and somebody else. It wasn't Sarich, and and two first round picks. Now, um, let's say the Sixers get they get lucky in the lottery. They get that number one pick and the number four or five pick. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to trade? Let's say it's a four pick. I'd, would you trade Butler, who I agree is going to be traded this offseason, for the number four mm-hmm. pick in this draft, which, you know, be it Jason Tatum, Jonathan Isaac, De'Aaron Fox, somebody like that. Um, yeah, you're speaking my language. Jalil Okafor, who I know is doesn't have the shine he used to, but it certainly still has value as a, a, a bench scorer. Robert Covington, mm-hmm. who is on the best contract in basketball and is one of the most underrated know, players in basketball. He, you love him. Oh, and uh, I forget who it was. I think it was Zach Lowe. Zach Lowe uh, posted that he graded out as the best defensive wing in basketball this year. So wow. you're talking you're, you're talking about an elite defensive player who guards the one to the four. Um, the LeBron stopper. Well, there's no such thing. But uh, he's no he's no Gerald Wilkins. But, yeah, um, uh, thank you. Very good <laughs> reference there. That was awesome. Very but, few people are going to get that one. That's all right. Um, and all right, so we would not have the Lakers pick. I'll give you your choice of the Sixers first round pick in 2018 or the Kings unprotected first round pick in 2019. So the number four, so, the number four pick, Okafor Covington, and your pick of those two draft picks. I take the Kings pick, even though it's a year later. I think that. If you're trading Butler to the Sixers and they're adding, um, that's fair. You know, hypothetically, Embiid and Butler, and, well, uh, and the number one pick, Simmons. Yeah, and the number one pick. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I would be. It would be a tough call. I think. I don't. I don't know that that beats whatever Boston could package together. But Boston is so stingy. Boston is never they are, be the team I, that that goes nuts because they don't. Danny Ainge has this ridiculous value on draft picks. I think this is the year they'll realize that they just have a ceiling with this roster, even if they keep adding draft picks. Um, and especially if that pick, the way it's looking with the Nets, you know, if that ends up being like number three or four or two, you know, I, I, I think that hurts that that makes them much more, that much more likely to trade for Butler. But really? the problem is, and, and yeah, I think so. But the problem is, and the reason why your offer will be way more attractive to someone like Gar Foreman is the Bulls would be getting NBA talent mm-hmm. rather than hypotheticals. I mean, you'd be getting both, but you'd also be getting players that are material this year, which I think is a major factor for them. So, If put a gun to my head, I would be willing to make, and this might not seem like it's a, an upside thing to you, but as someone who's familiar with this roster and watches this team play every day, I might, I might be able to go Rashawn Holmes instead of Okafor, which is is actually yeah. actually a giant upgrade. Rashawn Holmes is playing well, I, sensational basketball. I guarantee you, the Bulls would rather have Okafor just because of the Chicago thing and the name and all that. So, 
Um, would you? Okay. So, would you agree that the 2019 pick is more valuable than the hypothetical 2018 pick? Especially if the if the you know Jimmy Butler is being added to that team, yes. So, what do you think is more valuable? We're really getting deep into this hypothetical, yeah, but that's all right. We, <laughs> so, what if we get? Would you do the number one pick instead of the number four no. and make it the 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 non the Sixers nope. pick in 2018 rather than the unprotected Kings pick in 2019? No, it's a hard no. And let me let me tell and, you let me and, tell you why. Okay, we drop Covington. Okay, it's to gonna, somebody it, else. It's going to be a no to me, and let me tell you why. Um, so my concern. I, I would place – all right, so obviously you know I am – I think very highly of what Markel Fultz brings to a Philadelphia 76ers roster. Right. I like I like the idea of adding a 20-year-old to this roster rather than what's – is Butler going to be 28 next year? Yes. So then a 28-year-old because – I believe that. Adding that 28-year-old, it kind of closes your window a little bit. He uh, might even be 29 next year actually. Well – there you go. With a lot of miles. Now I'm not. Now I'm backing off to only second round picks. No first round picks. <laughs> didn't, didn't know he was 29. Uh, no, I would. I would probably take my chances with the number one pick in the draft. He's he's 28 right now. Okay. He'll be 29. So for if I'm the Bulls, I still take. I I would take that if the Celtics couldn't beat it with mm. the top the sure. higher pick because. Only because, also, by the way, I am like the biggest Tatum lover ever, as you know. I think I that like kid Tatum is going to be is a is going to be just an absolute star in the right system, and yeah. I think he you could hand the keys over to him in this on this Bulls roster. I would love to have Ball and build around him, but if you don't, then I think that you're fine with Fox or or Tatum, whoever falls to four, assuming those three don't go top three. So. Um, yeah, I, I feel pretty good about that about that option. Either way, I think I would probably do that. I'd pull the trigger because the Bulls need to hit the reset button. Ball badly. terrifies me. He really does. And the more I watch these more in-depth videos on him, the more scared I get by Lonzo Ball because it's a real red flag that he can't create for himself in the half court, and it's also a giant red flag. Well, I don't, you know, I don't have the concerns that other people do over that funky shooting motion because. At the end of that shooting motion, he's doing the things he's supposed to. The follow-through is good. He's pointed towards the basket. Yeah, his elbow's out. It's weird. It looks ugly. But the actual mechanics of what you need to do to make a basket consistently are fine Mm -hmm. with Lonzo Ball's shot. So that doesn't worry me. What does worry me, and again, we're we're talking about super deep cuts at this point. So when Mm -hmm. he gets away with stuff in college that he's not going to get away with in the NBA, especially when he goes – especially going to his right – because he really – oh, going to his left. Because he releases this ball and the weir- he weirdly brings it up to the right side of his head. So when, mm-hmm. he's, when he's going left – and this is why you never see him shoot jump shots. I forget the exact number, but I think he shot some – he shot less than 10 mid-range jump shots this season. Which is fine because the NBA basically says don't do that. So. But, but you also see that's how guys like James Harden and those guys get – they score. And that's also one of the things Markel Fultz is absolutely best at. He's – a generational type pull-up jump shooter, which is nice, but false ball can't. So when you're a point guard and you're trying to drive the lane, you have a decision to make instantly when you get when you get to the foul line. It's can yeah. I can I keep going to the basket or am I pulling up for this mid-range jump shot, which is should be a high percentage shot. For ball, when he goes to his left, he has to bring his ball. He has to bring the ball up across his body 
to shoot. Mm-hmm. So that's why you never – I think he took two shots going going in the direction uh, all season. So NBA teams that's are interesting. smart. NBA teams are smart. They're going to force him. The Bulls aren't. Well, fair, fair enough. But, yeah. So, he'll, so he'll, <laughs> he'll score well when he's playing the Bulls. But <laughs> but NBA teams are going to push this guy to the side he's not comfortable with or make him take tough sh- contested shots where he wants to go. Like Yeah, I, I I have I mean I love his passing. He's such a smart basketball player. Although Yeah. Markel Fultz actually had a handle, I think. Fultz actually had a higher uh, assist percentage than Ball did this year. But mm, that's surprising. But well, and so That's pretty impressive. How much UCLA did you watch? A lot, a, good, a very good amount. I How many? Look, probably more than anyone. Okay, ball. Yeah, I, I love the way he sees the basketball game. I have a ton of respect for it. How many of his of his assists came on just an extra kickout pass to a three point shooter? Uh, a lot. I'm not sure. Yeah. A lot. A lot of yeah. a lot of shots just made. You know, guys are are finalizing these assists just because they're making jump shots. And that's that's not a skill thing. There's there's skill that goes into making the right pass. But I don't know. I, I think so much of his assist, so many of his assists are in relation to jump shots rather than getting people easy baskets at the rim, which is a little bit more sustainable. I don't know. Oh, look, well, in I this can, NBA, there's a lot ball. of jump shooters that you're going to hypothetically surround them with. So, I, I mean, I think that we're splitting hairs a little bit yeah. on that. Like, you might be right. I, but I, I like the kid's overall game. I think that he's he's got the length and speed and handle and shooting is shooting. I, I've come around on it I based on, partially on what you've said and partially on just kind of growing more accustomed to seeing it. I think that, you know, he'll be able to get it off because of his quickness and his athleticism. Um, I like the way he commands an offense. I think yeah. that that's a really important thing and um, definitely a non-zero issue. Uh but I, you know, I, I definitely think there are holes. He's not a perfect prospect by any means. I just think that he'll, he'll get it done. Like I, I don't think that his floor is very low. Like I think at worst he's he's a solid starting point guard, and at best he's a star. So, mm. and that's kind of what you want if you're going to take a guy like that in the top three. Where I'm not, I'm definitely not sold on that outside of, really outside of him. And I think that Aaron Fox is that guy probably too. The more I saw him, the way that Fox just tore him up was yeah. impressive. I mean, I, I don't, I know it wasn't just Ball versus Fox. The majority of the game, as ESPN would want you to know, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I think that both those guys have that kind of command that you would hope for and look for. And, um, you know, the only time that you dissect a player this much is if he's that good, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's it, true. You, we're not dissecting. I mean, we're not dissecting Dennis Smith this way. We're not dissecting a lot of. I'll happily guys. have this conversation about Dennis Smith. Yeah, because well, you know, I think trash. Smith's in that up. I think he's in that upper echelon of prospects in this draft. Yeah, I know. No, I know. I think that 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 opinion is shared, obviously, by many evaluators. So, um, I I personally don't see it. I don't see how he's on the level of these three point guards that we're talking about, and. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't take him in the tie. I said this before. I wouldn't take him in the top seven or eight. So, uh, we'll all right, let's see. Let's see. I would go, I would go Fultz. It's tough after that point because I see the benefits to both Ball and Jackson. I probably go Jackson mm-hmm. over Ball. Uh, Depends on what you need. I'm, I'm just talking running. about for a very specific 76ers draft board. 
Oh, um, well, personal that's what, we, that's what we really care about here. I, that's why people listen to the show. They want to know in. my thoughts on 76ers. Um, and I give it to them constantly. I would, I would go, I'd go Fultz. I'd go Jackson Ball. Uh, I, 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 I love Fox. I, I don't think his shot is broken. I really don't. I think it's – Not at all. I think he needs work. His, his form is okay. I think his shooting is going to get better. But I think his upside – Oh, good. I wonder if his upside is Patrick Beverly, and I like Patrick Beverly. Oh, I think uh, he's better. I'm yeah. gonna, but I'm going to go Tatum Tatum 4. I think he's the the end of the first tier. I'm going to go okay. Fox 5. No, I'm going to go Smith 5. I'm going to go Isaac 6, Fox 7. And then there's – I'm not I'm – look, I, I understand that – in June, especially the end of June, I'm probably going to have to talk myself into why Malik Monk is going to be a great basketball player. Oh, geez. But I'm not there right now. I, I'm I not don't, there. I don't see it. I'm not it. with it. I, I, I see it. I see what people see in him. I don't see how he's any different than the high-volume shooters we've seen in the past. I'm going to give you a name. end up going in the mid to late first round. I'm going to give you a name. Ben Gordon. I'll give you a name. J.R. Smith. But he's, <laughs> but that's the thing. If he was J. Oh, you're if, saying if he was J.R. Smith, three. Yeah, yeah, if he was J.R. Smith, he's probably the fourth pick in the draft. Man, with with uh, if he's six, six can't even start. Yeah, yeah, but I think he's six two and a half, six three. So is he Ooh, is he really? ben, ben Gordon and Lou Williams? Okay, I thought he was short. I thought he was taller than that, but yeah, I mean, I look, I I am. Uh, I'm not with the bunk thing early. Like, if he's there at 14 and the Bulls took him, I'd be like, all right, that's fine. You yeah. know, you've got your – ideally, your starting two guard, but you need another three awesome players, you know, <laughs> to make up a serious right. run. So, um, that's not that's not the kind of guy you build around to me. I mean, he's a nice complimentary piece. And I think I, – I really do think that he'll ultimately fall a little bit because of that, unless a team like the Kings, you know – splurges for him early but I, I just i'm with you on that for sure you know who he gets compared to and it's an insult to that player is cj mccollum hmm. cj mccollum no. is a guy no who way. is playing shooting guard because he plays with damian lillard i yeah. i mccollum's a guy who could play point guard for a lot of other people and he's also one of the better ball handlers and shot makers in all of the nba right now and I think you're mm-hmm. doing a disservice to McCollum by comparing Monk to him. I'm not saying you. I'm saying I agree. the greater you. No, I, yeah, I got you. No, McCollum's all-around game is far better than what I project Monk to be. Let's, but let's, let's take a step back. All these kids are 19, so yeah. all right. mostly that we're talking about. But, you know, I, I do think – I agree. I think I think Monk's game portends towards being much more chucker than all-around quality point guard slash two guard combo guard if you need him to be all right we only have a couple more minutes and there is one last thing i want to talk about real quick that was the the tony romo news today romo announced that he will be jumping in to broadcasting with cbs cbs is making him their number one color commentator uh, color commentator uh, taking the place of phil sims who's you know it's now kind of questionable what's going to happen with sims was this surprising to you Oh, yeah, this is a shocker. Like, even as of yesterday when they were saying, oh, you know, the rumors are kind of floating about there in the ether yeah. that this guy might, that Romo might go to the booth. I, I man, I I find it very hard to believe that he's going to spend the whole offseason in that booth. Really? I just, really? Yeah. He left the door open today on the radio. Yeah. Like, this this guy is so far. He was 
grew up born and bred Favre. He plays like Favre in every way. He's got the exact same demeanor. The only difference is he actually missed games, and he's probably way more efficient, but neither here nor there. I uh, I, I will tell you, uh, you set the over-under at .5 games, appeared in for Romo. I will say, I'll hammer that over. <laughs> I will tell you that I think he is going to be spectacular as a commentator. I think he's going to be spectacular. Oh, absolutely. Who would be better, Peyton Manning or Tony Romo, color commentator? Romo, because... I think he's a little bit more willing to show his personality. Now, if Peyton Manning's willing to drop this, like, I'm I'm a Boy Scout nonsense, which I think anybody mm-hmm. who pays any attention to Peyton Manning knows he is not a Boy Scout, um, <laughs> I, I think he's probably – he's better because Manning is genuinely funny. Uh, but I think Romo is – They far, both are, I think. No, no, I'm not – that's not insulting Tony. You know I'm a colossal Tony Romo fan in terms of I'm Tony, Tony it, Romo yeah. the human being, not Tony Romo the mm-hmm. – Cowboys quarterback, but but cool. I think he's a little bit more willing to show his personality than Manning is in, in that kind of format. I think Manning, while he would certainly be very good, it might take him a little bit, bit to loosen up. So, I don't know. Yeah, what do, what do I, will, I, I would agree with that. I think that, um, you know, I I still, I think Manning would bring a lot to the table yeah. from an X's nose standpoint. I think he'd be really, really good. They're both really good. That's why I asked the question. I'm really interested to see Romo break down games because I just the way I see him right now is just like a really jovial, funny, mm. interesting person and likable personality. I'm not sure how in depth, like you say. I mean, I'm not sure how willing he'll be to criticize players, especially. Oh, I don't think it's going to be. He a potentially could. I hope not, but I, I also so. think that he's he's going to be keeping his options open. I'm telling you, that's I would true. Not, I'm, I I think that that that's part of what is. Uh, hindered John Gruden from being a truly great color commentator. I like him. I, I think he could have been just way better if he knew for a fact that he was definitely out of the game, which we still know that he's not for mm-hmm. sure going to be that way for a long time. He's still very young. And I, I definitely think that's going to be the case with Romo, but I hope it's not. I hope that he, if he lets loose a little bit, I, I really see him being – Awesome. And the other thing that disappoints me is that he's going to be on CBS rather than Fox, because I would love to see him doing NFC games yeah. against teams that he spent the majority of his career playing against. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, obviously he'll get a few here and there, but it would have just been awesome to see him do, uh, you know, do a Packers Eagles game or something, you know, teams he's played against a thousand times. Yes. Yeah, somehow I don't think while, uh, I'm going to see quite a bit of CBS with the Cleveland Browns this year. I don't think he's going to be doing many Cleveland Browns games. Yeah. <laughs> if he does over under point five Cleveland Browns games that he's doing, I'm going to, I'm going to go under on that. I think we got the, we get the one, uh, oh God, we, that's, oh God. Uh, I think they got Ugh. the, I know it hurts me. They got the, uh, the number one group a couple of times. You got to, it's only when you're playing an elite team, but, uh, that's the conversation for another day. Uh, for today, mm-hmm. that's the Deepish Thoughts Podcast, episode number 19. I'm Chris Wardell. He's on Chicana. We'll be right back here next Wednesday. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then.